church. So I have a friend, um, someone I've known for quite a while who joined us this morning. I'd like to invite her to um, join me up on stage for a moment. Alexa Kensington. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad I'm here today. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. So, Alexa, friend, we've been friends for quite a while, um, and you um, recently told me something that was kind of interesting. You told me that you are taking a vacation from church. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked me that question, Shar. So, like, you know, I have a very busy schedule, what with working all the time and, like, hanging out with all of my friends. Like, Church has become sort of like a chore, you know? It's just not as, like, convenient for me as it used to be. Hmm. <laughs> convenient. So so what does that mean? Okay, so you know how shopping takes, like, a gazillion hours sometimes? Like, that's how church has started to feel like for me. Like, oh, okay, you want me to come every Sunday, and then you want me to attend your gatherings and, like, go to your Bible study and do some service thingy? I mean, like, that's all fine and all, but why can't church be more like shopping? Not sure I'm following you. Okay, so like you know how you can buy everything online. Like if I can't put it in my Amazon or my Target cart, like why am I wasting my time on it? You know, so why can't church be more like that? Like when I really need God or the Bible, like when I'm feeling sad or need a little pick-me-up, like isn't there an app for that? <laughs> so, so I'm hearing that convenience is really important to you, but yeah. what about relationships with other people who have who believe similar things? to you. I'm so glad you asked me about relationship stars. So like, okay, see, I already feel like I have so many of those. Like, I don't think I keep keep up with like anyone else from church. Like, yay, I'm so glad. We all love Jesus and everything. But like, do we have to share that every week? Like, doesn't we get a little boring? <laughs> so then what's your alternative to church on Sunday? What are you doing? Yeah, so okay, I'm not saying I wouldn't like love to come to church on Sunday, right? Or like love to stop by. But like, okay, what if something more important comes up? Okay. So, like, listen. <laughs> For example, my gym has this, like, really killer Pilates class on certain Sundays. So, like, I just can't miss that. Like, what if a friend invites me to a Vikings theme? Unmissable. So, like, I'm not saying that, like, I have this certain alternative to church on Sunday. I just, like, what if something better and more exciting comes up? Okay. So... So I know that you've got a lot of nieces and nephews oh. that you love, and they really look up to you. So what kind of message do you think this is sending them? I love that you brought them up because they are so important to me. Okay. So this is how I think they see me live my life. And this is what's important, okay? You ready? Live in the moment, right? Like, live your best life now because every moment is precious, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so is this a temporary decision or a permanent decision that you're making? That's a good question. Um, I feel like my life coach would encourage me not to commit to anything, okay? So let's just say this is like more of an exploration. And like maybe I'll find this really rad church online, right? And I never have to set foot in a building again, and I don't have to build any more relationships and get fed in, like, the best way, you know? Nope. <laughs> but, okay, okay. Well, thanks for coming, Alexa. My pleasure, Char. Thank you. Bye. Well, I think we really should pray. <laughs> Let's pray. 
Holy God, we are grateful that, forgive me, we are grateful, God, for the opportunity to come together today. We recognize, God, that uh, you are the God above all things. You are the Lord. Uh, You have all power and authority, and our understanding of you is uh, growing, and we we want it to grow more. Uh, We pray, God, that you would open our eyes to help us see the wonderful truths in your instructions. We pray, God, you'd help us see that there is great freedom in being obedient to you. Lord, we have blinders on. Take those blinders off. Help us hear. Help us listen. Open us up to what you would have us know and do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, yeah, why not? I mean, really, why, why can't we just follow in the footsteps of Alexa? There's a reason, and I'm going to ask you to stand and read it with me right now. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? This is from Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25. Let's read it out loud together. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You may be seated. Wouldn't it be easier to just give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing? I mean, wouldn't that be so much easier? Couldn't we just text to each other some words of encouragement toward love and good deeds. I mean, everything, think about it, everything you need to do a worship service is online, right? You know, right now, you could find a speaker who's better than I am. You could find the exact topic that you want to hear today. Uh, You could choose what, let's say you chose to sing. You could choose whatever songs you want to sing. Choose the songs that you like the most. And you wouldn't have to take an offering. Isn't that beautiful? Think of the time and the money that we would save and the heartache if we just gave up meeting together. Here at Faith, we have an audacious goal. Read it with me. We are a community of grace making disciples of Jesus from generation to generation. And to make disciples of uh, Jesus, we say that there are some pathways, some specific ways we actually have to travel. Uh, We call it gather, grow, and go. Think of yourself maybe or a friend or a family member as that person on the left of your screen, that little figure there who has some questions. Okay, One of the things God has done is everyone who has questions, He has provided avenues Excuse me. so that uh, people can have those questions answered. And so we have this thing called gather. We're in, the, we're in our weekly gather right now. But then also, as you've already heard from uh, Tom and Dave, we felt we need space uh, where people can ask questions because everyone has questions about God. And so we have this thing called Alpha. 
And then after Alpha, you can't just go to Alpha and then you've, you've completely matured in your life in God because God is rich and his, his, the wealth of His love is endless. And so you want to continue to grow. And so what we recommend is a, a couple different pathways that you would gather together with other people in a grow opportunity. Like uh, uh, we have some classes that meet during this service, one for blended families. We have another one called Why I Believe. We had uh, classes in our 9 o'clock service. Uh, we have uh, our Wednesday night programming that's going to have Alpha and Discovery Bible Experience and our women's ministry. We have a community Bible study happening here on Monday nights. We have all these different grow opportunities. And it's great then to maybe connect with another person one-on-one and, and grow together in peer-to-peer discipleship. And then it would be great if you're going to continue to grow to figure out how has God wired you to go. You know, so we have this class called Shape, where you discover your spiritual gifts and how God has wired you to serve. And then we would compel you to continue to grow in your life in Christ to go, to go and serve outside of these walls through word and through deed, maybe locally, maybe internationally. We don't know. Now, as you look at that, oh my goodness, Pastor Brad, that's just, it's a long journey, it seems like. It's really not that long, really. But just, it seems long. What if we just took the gather part out? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Yeah, the person who has questions, they could just eliminate this whole Sunday morning thing. Uh, they just go right to Alpha. And then you could do a, a small group thing and some peer-to-peer discipleship. You can go and serve the Lord, and you'd never have to get together with all the people in this room right now. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be easier to simply skip it all? Let me be provocative, if I may, for a moment. This Sunday morning worship service doesn't exist to worship Jesus. Now, I'm being provocative, so just hang on tight. Don't tweet that anywhere. All right? Uh, That statement is unbiblical. It's incomplete. If it was complete, then the Bible would say, uh, it's just about you and God. And the Bible doesn't say it's just about you and God. A more accurate, more complete statement would be this. This Sunday morning worship service exists to worship Jesus with other people. Uh Aha. Who are these other people? Well, they are the people uh, sitting next to you. They're your family and friends. They are people like you. They are also people not like you. They are people who are older than you. They are are people who are younger than you. They are people who are richer than you. They are people who are poorer than you. They are people who are black and white and brown. God has called all those people to come together, to gather together and worship. This Sunday morning worship service exists to worship Jesus with other people. Our text for our Imagine series, is uh, the last two verses of Ephesians 3. Read this with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in me. No, there's an us there. (laughs) To him be glory in your living room. No, (laughs) there's something called the church there. In the church. 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Us, we, church, these are plural words. Do you know what the word church means? In Greek, the word is uh, ekklesia or ecclesia. That word simply means the called out ones. What does it mean to worship? To worship is to ascribe worth. So what is the church? Well, the church is the called out ones who gather together to ascribe worth to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this, is, this particular gathering is vital to growing disciples of Jesus. Because if you don't gather together, guess what? We don't gather together on Sunday mornings. You're going to gather somewhere else, right? I mean, you might sleep in, and that's fine. Uh, you might go grab a, a, a breakfast all by yourself. But eventually, at some point in the weekend, you're going to gather with someone, maybe at a football game or, or in the, at the theater. or you know, Maybe if you're a soldier on the battlefield in school at a mall. It doesn't matter. Every gathering, guess what? Every gathering is formative. Every gather, gathering you're a part of is going to form everyone at the gathering. The body of Christ is called out to gather because we've chosen to be conformed. We've been called to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's why we gather, to be conformed. Now, I want to uh, unpack that just a little bit more in three separate ways. Here's the first one. In the gathering of the church, we experience God in truth-filled speech. Every gathering has language, right? Soldiers have their own language. Football players, dancers, golfers, gang members, all gatherings use words to navigate the gathering. In this gathering, we use certain words. For example, there are words we use uh, like adoration, praise, thanksgiving. We give voice to those concepts through other words. For example, think about this. Today, you stood up with other people and sang a song. Actually, you sang three. <laughs> now, I want to remind you, I've done this before, but I want to remind you how completely weird that is. You know, at what point this week did you sing to your boss? Uh, was there any point uh, ever in the history of your marriage, if you're married, that you sang to your spouse? other than happy birthday, singing to someone takes, takes, d- does something. It's like your physical being and, and the breath and the voice and then these words and we, we sing them. That, that is very unique. We even stand and sing these particular words. For example, this morning we sang these words. Praise the king. Now, time out. We're in the United States of America. We don't have a king, right? No, we do. We have a king, his name is Jesus, and, and he's not dead, he is risen, and uh, he's alive. And praise the king. Actually, our king, he defeated death. We're so excited about that, we say words like hallelujah, and we declare he's alive. Another thing we sang this morning, another uh, set of words, our God, a firm foundation. Okay, so, so our God is the foundation of our lives. Not our family, not our hobbies, uh, not the United States of, of America. Our God is a firm foundation. And uh, he's our rock. He's the only solid ground as, as nations rise and fall. Meaning that even though nations come and go, 
we believe our God is eternal and his kingdom reigns forever. We trust forever in his name. What, what's the name? Our God has a name. His name is Jesus. What's that name mean? It means God saves. Yeah, to proclaim those words, that's a big deal. Think about this. When, when my dad, little Wayne Kendall, was a kid growing up at Elam Covenant Church in St. Paul, uh, he sat every week growing up next to Grandpa Erickson. Grandpa Erickson uh, was an immigrant from Sweden, and uh, they would stand and sing together, and little Wayne Kendall would watch Grandpa Erickson sing to God, sing specific words. And while little Wayne Kendall was a believer in Jesus at a young life and was singing to God, he was also watching Grandpa Erickson sing to God. And that formed little Wayne Kendall. He grew up to be a, a big Wayne Kendall. And then little Brad Kendall watched Dad Kendall sing words to God. You're sitting today next to people who may not know that God is King, that Jesus is, is, is your, your Savior. You're sitting next to people who are paying attention. Is this thing real? We are, what we do together when we sing, when we worship, it is formative. It is, is truth-filled speech. Let me ask you this, parents, grandparents, what other weekly gathering are you a part of where the, the kids, the grandkids in your life get to see you give voice to who God is in your life. 99.9% of all other gatherings that we participate in weekly, you don't have that opportunity. But you do when the church gathers. We are formed by truth-filled speech. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, also, uh, I need God's Word. Yeah, God's Word does something in me. And when we come together and you proclaim it and I proclaim it, I learn things like I'm not an accident, I'm made in God's image, and so are you. Uh, I realize that I've been made by the one who is love. Uh, I realize you're, you've been made by the one who is love. I, I realize by God's Word that all of us here are loved by God. I also realize all the people out there are loved by God. Yeah, God's Word tells me truths about myself that aren't always convenient, but are formative. I, I, I don't know about you, but the, the propensity of my heart is to take the path of least resistance and just lie to myself and believe the most convenient thing. But God's truth-filled speech tells me things like, uh, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. It's words like these that then compel us to, to deeper, uh, deeper words of truth-filled speech. Words of confession. Where we proclaim we don't have it all together. And we live in amazing grace. When in, in confession, I'm compelled to say... Uh, the cheese is falling off my crackers. I'm stumbling on a regular basis. I don't bet a thousand. I am a sinner. That's truth-filled speech. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior, a rescuer. And in his family, his word tells me that I have grace. Those words form us. One writer I read this week wrote, 
When Christians confess their sins, they recall the passion and recklessness of God and realize that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. How in the world would we know something like that? Well, we learned that by gathering together and hearing truth-filled speech. What other weekly gathering are you a part of that gives you that truth-filled speech? Secondly, in the gathering of the church, we experience God in Christ-like posture. Uh, conforming ourselves to the likeness of Christ, conforming ourselves uh, to Him, is, it's a physical thing, right? We do so together. and We're not just gathering you know, these intellects. Our physical being comes together and we're formed by each other. I remember when I was in physical therapy after my accident, I asked my physical therapist about proper posture. And uh, she told me about the things you need to do in your posture so that your body doesn't degrade as quickly as, as it often does. There's a, there's a way to walk, there's a way to move that actually brings health to your being. And in this gathering, we learn certain postures, don't we? For example, I need, I need four volunteers. Elise, come on up. Claudia, could you come up with her? Uh, I need uh, 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 Keith, thank you. Two more, two more. Two more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Mark and Besant. All right, great. Can you make it up on stage? All right. Claudia and Elise, you can stand right here. Actually, no, why don't you two come right there? That's perfect. Elise, right. I'm going to ask you to just face the congregation right, right. there. Mark, why don't you come over here? Vasanti, you can stay right there. All right, so we'll start with Keith. What's one of the postures you see in, in the gathering of a worship service? Well, you will see people with their hands raised often. Mark, would you put your hands? Yeah, right here. No, oh, sorry, Keith. Yep. Uh, let, let's put them both up like you're being held up. All right, Mark, you can put yours down. I'll get to you in a second. All right. Maybe give a, an act of worshipful surrender. All right. Now, there you go. Beautiful. Now, I recognize for some of you, uh, getting from here to here has, has proven to be a very long journey. It's very hard. It's like, oh, this is like going from Florida to Alaska. I just, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Uh, if you're new to the church, you know, one of the reasons sometimes you will see uh, people in the singing with their hands in the air, it's the best way to think about it is a little kid uh, crying out to, to their mom or their dad, just saying, I love you. You know, it's, a, it's an act of love, an act of surrender, and it's physical. So, Keith, I know you're strong. Just hold that posture. <laughs> uh, uh, Mark, if you would get on your knees there. There you go. And maybe uh, an attitude of prayer there. All right, now, I, most, uh, most uh, of our Sunday services, we don't have active kneeling. Okay, I recognize that. It's hard with the raked floor. And in other traditions, it's more kind of wired into what the, the, the worship service does. But I, I hope that uh, even as we sang today, I hope that you will see that there is an attitude, a posture of kneeling, which is highly valued in our worship of God. This physical posture, I hope you understand, is important 
to people who call themselves Christians. Because when you're kneeling, you say, you're saying, you are Lord, you are greater than I am. And I, but I can also uh, communicate with you. I can worship you. All right, thank you, Mark. Stay right there. All right, um, Elise and Claudia. Um, Elise, why don't you put, uh, actually, uh, Elise, why don't you put a hand on Claudia's arm right there? All right, now look at this posture right here. Elise, uh, Elise, let's say Elise is praying for healing for Claudia. Now, let me ask you this. How, how many times in your other gatherings throughout the week do you put a hand on another person's shoulder and cry out to the Almighty God to, pr- to, to heal them? I'm hoping you do sometimes. But where you learn this posture is in this gathering. Hold that position. And then, Vasant, you get the big one. Step, step forward if you would. Uh, Vasant, if you would put your hands out like on the cross. All right, put your feet together there. All right. This cruciform posture, this is the ultimate goal. What is the other gathering that you're invited that bids you come and die? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 this, this is the goal. This posture. And you won't learn this posture outside of the gathering of the sons and daughters of Christ. Thank you all. Give them a big round of applause. Thank you. You know, disciples are apprentices. Okay? Think about... Even this is formative, right? Um, disciples are apprentices. Uh, so if, if you're a, a cellist, a cello student, and you're learning how to play the cello from the first chair in, in the Minnesota Orchestra, that, that master teacher is going to teach you the right posture. That master teacher is going to hold, teach you how to hold the bow, how to uh, bring that bow across the strings of your cello. If you are a, uh, a, a young, if you're any person seeking to learn how to paint, you're going to sit with a master teacher, and that master teacher is going to teach you how to see color and how to see light, how to see, fo- how to see form. And, and, and in so doing, you will apprentice yourself to them. You're going to do what that master teaches. Those of us who gather together in the church, we are gathering together to take the posture of our king. First uh, John 2.6 says, Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk as Jesus walked. Basically, whoever says, I am a Christian, ought to put one foot in front of the other the way Jesus puts one foot in front of the other. You help me know how to do that. Our little kids in this church help me know how to do that. Our older folks in this church help me know how to do that. I hope in some way I help you know how to do that. But we have to gather together to know how to do that because I can't learn it by myself. And you can't either. What other weekly gathering are you a part of that compels you to the cruciform posture of Jesus? Thirdly, in the gathering of the church we experience God in a supernatural meal as God's friends. Now, eating together is always formative, right? You are what you eat, so when you eat together, it's going to form you, trust me. <laughs> but uh, when we get together in a, uh, like, like with work stuff, we do that missionally, right? 
when the church gets together, um, we celebrate a meal. We celebrate a meal. It's not any meal. It's a sacramental meal. What does the word sacrament mean? St. Augustine put it this way. A sacrament is an outward sign of an invisible grace. Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a physical thing representing an internal, spiritual, mysterious, supernatural thing. For 2,000 plus years, the church has gathered around a very simple meal. Bread and cup. Not just for you, for us. Why? Let's read this from Jesus. Very truly, join me. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, the significance of those words is deeper than uh, we have time to explore, but I chose those words because typically in the church, what we do is we take a, a less powerful verse to explain uh, the Lord's Supper. But this stuff is meaty, right? I mean, if we are not participating in the flesh and blood of Christ, somehow uh, we do not get to be raised up at the last day. Suffice to say, the Lord Jesus has asked us to go beyond what we could ever imagine when it comes to the bread and the cup. When we gather at the Lord's table, we are going far beyond the elements themselves, recognizing a sacred mystery is happening in this meal that Jesus instituted for the church when it gathers. In it, Christ himself becomes the nourishment of the body of Christ. In it, we are, com- we are compelled to come and partake of the, the meal of God with our friends and our family. We're also called to come to the table with our enemies. And we're to call all brothers and sisters who are in Christ. In it, we are compelled to break bread not only with the king of the universe. We're called to break bread with the King who is our friend. Here at Faith Covenant Church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper once a month. Um, some of the traditions you grew up in celebrated it weekly. Uh, different churches have different theologies around the elements. Um, in our denomination, I would say in the Evangelical Covenant Church, we would say the bread and the cup are, hear me, they're not just symbols. Some of you may have grown up in traditions that said, uh, well, these are just symbols representing something else. And while they are symbols, they're not merely symbols. See, when we gather, when the church gathers, the Holy Spirit is present, right? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, represented and not represented, alive in the church. We are the temple of the living God. We come to his meal. He is present in the meal. He presides over the meal. And so there is a supernatural, mysterious administration of grace that is happening in this meal. And in our denomination, we choose to simply say, this is beyond words. It's not just about the words. There is something special happening when the church gathers. And I note this because it's easy to say, well, I can become a disciple of Jesus without the Lord's Supper. I would say you cannot be a disciple of Jesus without the Lord's Supper. Well, you need to understand what it is to say, I'm a sinner, 
I need a Savior. That person broke his body for me. That blood was shed for me and you. And we are part of one family. And God is forming us through this meal. I like these words uh, from Wells and Hauerwas. Worship is where people are conformed to Christ, join in His work, are accepted back into His fellowship, and dance to the beat of His drum. But worship is also a training for discipleship on earth. It is a time when Christians learn how to be God's friends by eating with Him. So there you have it. In the gathering of the church, we come together because we need some truth-filled speech. We come together because we need to know what is the right Christ-like posture as we are His disciples. And we come together to share that sacred meal as friends. This being the case, what would it look like for you to value the gathering of God's people for worship in the manner of Christ? And the reason I ask it that way is because a lot of us have a value of the gathering that's based on experience, that's based on culture, uh, that's based on felt needs and so forth. And we, we have a certain value, kind of like Alexa. It's, it's valuable, yes, but we think these other things are more valuable. But if we are to value it in the manner of Christ, then the gathering of the church would be the most important gathering of the week. Some would say, well, I don't get a lot out of church, the, the, the gathering. Uh, my response is, guess what, it's not about you. And you won't learn that well until you gather together. <laughs> uh, the, church, the, the, the gathering is not very. The gathering is not designed to make consumers. The gathering exists to help us understand what it does is to be givers. And you might say, well, the church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. I hear that all the time. I don't go to church. It's just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. I would like to say absolutely, and we're the only gathering that's absolutely honest about that. <laughs> the scriptures are very honest. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, and every week in truth-filled speech, we should be approaching God and saying, I am a sinner, I need a Savior, all these people around me, you've actually died for, so I love them. And I, Lord, I'm amazed, you love me. I'm learning that with all these people. So, welcome to church. Church, let's pray. Lord, as I'm reflecting right now, I am just, I'm, I'm imagining the church worldwide in local gatherings, villages, people watch for miles to some home, and they're feasting on your word together. I know the church is gathered in great cathedrals. And in great opulence, but you are a rich God. And you, did, you deserve great art. The church is gathered in warehouses and buildings like ours. Some of the musicians are trained, some of them are not. But in all, it is a joyful noise. 
And it has been your choice to make manifold uh, the wisdom of you to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms through this humble thing called the church, the called out ones, ascribing worth to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we have a humble gathering. We pray we'd become more humble. We pray, God, that you would make yourself manifest even more deeply in ways that, where we can see it, recognizing, God, that you, you're going to do things in the little things. You'll do things in the big things. It's all you. But, Lord, help, help us see the way you are molding and shaping us in the likeness of Christ and handshakes and hugs, changing a diaper, singing Loving each other. God, we give you praise for the wisdom of the body of Christ. And we're grateful we get to do it together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.